Bienvenidos, hermanos. Bienvenido de nuevo al podcast de Jugo para Perros. Cambiando tu forma de pensar como deportista. This is episode number 22, Thursday, November 29th, 2018. I'm probably only going to have one episode this week as opposed to the usual two per week. We have a smaller card in college football with some conference championship games and a few final regular season games, but that's it for college football. Unfortunately, the regular season is coming to an end. It's been a phenomenal year, but we have both season upon us, so that's kind of easing the pain of losing college football. We have tons of games on the slate ahead. And I'm also going to touch on the NFL card um, briefly in this podcast. But as always, check for info and value plays that I might post on on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. So let's jump right into the pod. I'm just going to do some quick hitters. I'm going to touch on some college football, some NFL, and then we have the return of a special guest near the end of the pod, but uh, let's jump right into it with some quick hitters. Rhode Island has become the eighth state to officially accept legal sports betting within its borders. The first bets were taken at the new Twin River Casino on Monday this week in Lincoln, Rhode Island. It's exciting stuff. Major League Baseball had a major sports gaming announcement on Tuesday. It was announced that MGM has partnered with Major League Baseball uh, to become the official gaming partner of the league. Uh, MGM is now partnered with uh, the NBA and the NFL as well, so they're really getting their hats in the ring early on, which I think is a prudent move on their end. The times are a-changing, people. Just when you thought that the NCAA couldn't get any worse... You have the first release of the net rankings, which was meant to replace the RPI as the primary tool that the selection committee would use to evaluate the teams. And it's the NCAA evaluation tool, or NET, and it's meant to rely on game results, strength of schedule, game location, scoring margin, net offensive and defensive efficiency, quality of wins and losses, and some other factors, or at least that's what it's supposed to do. Um, We all know that the RPI sucked and was clearly flawed. It would never favor the little guy. But um, So when you heard that they would be doing this and using a new system, you thought, oh, good, maybe the NCAA will finally get its head out of its ass. Not so fast. Here's a little history on the college basketball ranking system. Uh, It all started out with the RPI, which is the Rating Percentage Index. That was established in 1981. And the NCAA, uh, they used it ever since. And even though it was uh, made in 1981, uh, the committee used it as their biggest decision aid. But the problem with the RPI was that it made a poor assessment over the value of a particular game, especially in road wins and undervaluing um, wins over top 100 teams. It also relied on a lot of arbitrary top 50 cutoffs. And... Then you saw a guy who was actually a weatherman completely change the business. Ken Pomeroy, who I've uh, detailed in this podcast in earlier episodes, I use his stuff. Um, anyway, he used to be a weather guy in Montana, a meteorologist. And starting around 2003, he started growing his website, kenpom.com, and now it's a household name. Um, 
and I, I use it as a big part of my um, as a big part of my model for college basketball. But he um, anyway started growing his website, and it's very possession based. It involves a lot more um, with pacing stats, and that was so much more advanced than the RPI that you saw. Uh, people start to adopt it. It gained popularity very fast. You even saw Brad Stevens give Ken Palm a shout-out in the 2010 National Championship game. Um, he used Ken Palm uh, pacing statistics to formulate his game plan. Uh, and in the meantime, you you had the BPI, which was the Basketball Power Index, and that started around 2012 and had some nuances that improved on the RPI and actually accounted for pace and helped weight blowouts better, uh, blowout games. So when the committee meets in March or in the past when they used to meet in March they would have their sheets with the BPI Ken Palm and we don't even know how much they actually weighted or took Ken Palm into account but they did have Ken Palm at the table um, in March and still they had the RPI on there as well so you would even hear the RPI be talked about um, around March the past few years even a couple years ago last year even though it was so dated they're still using a formula from 1981 so obviously, people knew that sucked, and they introduced, um, in, in lieu of the RPI, the NCAA came up with this net ranking system, and this is the first year that they did it. And the first net rankings came out on Monday this week, and it has Loyola Marymount ahead of Kansas, Ohio State is number one, Gonzaga is number five, and Duke is number six. And <laughs> so Ken Palm, he has Loyola Marymount ranked number 122, but... They're ranked ahead of Kansas in this one at number 10. So you saw even Nate Silver, the super nerd from 538, he came out and tweeted, these are the worst rankings I've ever seen in, in any sport ever. NCAA needs to go completely back to the drawing board. And you hope that this thing is going to correct itself over time, but dear Lord, like Kentucky is not number 61 overall. I won't completely get into my hatred for the NCAA here, but... Let's just say that they don't properly use the data, and they have tons of smart minds. And that's what Nate Silver went on to say as well, that the worst part is they have all these smart minds working on it. So there's no excuse that they're refusing to acknowledge the good data that's there. They're still stuck in the Stone Age, uh, those the cronies and the NCAA. Um, they don't account for the quality of the opponent in their rankings. That's the, my big thing with, with the net rankings. Um, and, like like, for example, I heard that, I heard this on uh, Follow the Money on VSIM, and this might grind your gears close to as much as mine, but the net efficiency rankings and the new net ranking system don't account for the quality of the opponent. And a team that records a net efficiency, for example, of 0.5 points per possession against Michigan gets the same credit as a team that records that same mark against Central Michigan. That might give you some insight as to why they always completely fuck up the seedings come tournament time and why you'll see a 12 seed favored over a 5 seed in the first round. Like Vegas obviously knows best. Or you can see, like a couple years ago, the worst of all time was a 10 seed Wichita State team, which would have been favored over all but seven other teams in the entire goddamn 64 team tournament. I'm going to lay off the soapbox on that one. Let's, uh, let's move on to some college football. College football this year, the top teams against the spread this season, based off closing lines at least, Washington State at 10-2, Florida International at 9-2, we were on them a few times, and Utah State, Georgia Southern, and Buffalo were all at 9-3, and we bet on some of those this season as well. 
UCF has a chance to go 9-3 and three if they win over Memphis this week. And then Troy and Syracuse are both at 8-3-1, depending on where you got the number. The worst teams against the spread this season in college football, no surprise, Louisville, 1-11. They missed covering by 18.4 points per game, which is one of the worst against the spread runs of all time. Georgia State, New Mexico State, and UConn all were 2-9-1 against the spread, depending on where you got the number. And then a pack, uh, including Washington, Wisconsin, Ole Miss, and San Diego State, were 3-9 against the spread, and USC was part of the big 4-8 and eight against the spread pack. Um, in terms of best teams to the over and best teams to the under in college football this season, the best over teams, Oklahoma. They were 11-1 to the over, which is crazy considering that oddsmakers still set their totals very high this season um, with Kyler Murray at the helm, but they still went 11-1 to the over. Utah State, South Alabama, and Old Dominion were all next at 9-3 to the over, and Interestingly, my alma mater, Iowa Hawkeyes, were included in the and four to the eight and four to the over group. So we might see a little change. Uh, finally, Iowa's starting to embrace analytics and get stuck out of the Stone Age, and I think that has a lot to do with their new play caller on offense. Uh, the best under teams are teams to the under. North Texas was one ten and one to the under this season, followed by Mississippi State at two and nine to the under, and. Cal and UCF are sitting at eight, three and eight to the under, uh, with two games left or one game left for each team. And uh, there's a bunch of teams that are three and nine to the under, including Washington, Northern Illinois, and BYU. The NBA has had a very interesting start to the season. That's literally the understatement of the year. It's almost like it's been flipped from last year. Unusual names are sitting at the top of the standings. The L.A. Clippers are at the top of the West. I know that they were supposed to be better this year, but number one in the West, uh, pretty outrageous. I actually did allude to them at the start of the season as, um, as being a, a buy-on team, but I never figured they would be sitting at the top of the West at the end of November, but here they are. The Warriors have seven losses already, and the Rockets, I think we all saw this coming. They're under 500 at 9-11 and 11 right now. I think that lack of depth on the bench is really a big reason why, plus they just left you know, they left it all on the court last season, really just strained themselves. I think they're just mentally drained after that long season. And you're going to probably see some some rifts in the locker room before seeing some issues there with the Rockets moving forward. Um, there's no easy outs, though, in the West. You used to be able to look at teams like the Suns and the Kings on the schedule and think, oh, easy W, but not anymore. Um, the, especially the Kings, they're doing very well and they have tons of young talent. They might even make a playoff push this year, but there's just really no easy outs in the West anymore. And in the East, you're still going to have your bottom feeders like the Hawks, the Cavs, the Bulls, the Knicks. But all in all, the parity is better than it's been in a long time in in the NBA. So I think that's it's good for the league that there's no easy outs like that. But at the same time, we're going to see teams tanking, and we should be able to use that to our advantage, especially later in the season when teams are openly tanking. Um, can, I'll be touching on that later, but or in a few months from now, but you can uh, you can really find some value just betting the heavy money lines, but actually parlaying them. If you could do an open parlay, it's a great opportunity. I was doing it last year. If you could find a site that allows you to do open parlays and open up future legs to of the parlay to fill in later on, um, going the money line route on some heavy favorites against tanking teams in good spots. Usually I want them to be at home, and tanking team um, obviously 
openly wants to lose. You see the coach put in suboptimal lineups later in the season, or sorry, later in the game, and also later in the season. Um, if you, if you, I mean, no one really wants to lay those heavy numbers, and I understand that. So if you open up a parlay with an open parlay leg, um, you can add in some of these big favorites against tanking teams as all as one big parlay. So that's it's um, it's a good way to lessen your risk. I understand, you know the thought process of not doing parlays but in this instance there's an exception because it's rare in sports when you have a team that is playing suboptimal lineups especially at the end of the game in a fourth quarter it happened last year I mean people were onto it but the books really can't guard against some of that when you have a team it's rare when a team's trying to lose like that but I will touch on that in a later episode in terms of the NBA best teams against the spread so far this season as of Tuesday morning the Mavs were 12 and 6 against the spread, the Hornets 13 and 7, the Grizzlies and the Clippers 12 and 7 against the spread and the aforementioned Sacramento Kings 12 and 8 against the spread. In terms of NBA worst teams against the spread so far as of Tuesday, the Celtics sitting at 7 and 13, the 76ers 8 and 14 against the spread and then the Lakers and the Wizards at 7 and 12 against the spread. NBA uh, best teams to the over and under so far. Uh, best teams to the over, the Bucks, 14-5 and five to the over. Should be no surprise with Budenholzer as the head coach. A lot more run and gun and three-point shooting. So you've been doing well if you've been playing their over so far this season. The 76ers, 15-7 and seven to the over, interestingly. The Raptors, 14-7 and seven to the over. And the Wizards, 13-6 and six to the over. The best NBA teams to the under so far, the Magic and the Bulls. 13 and 7 to the under. Uh, the Nuggets, 13 and 6 to the under. And the best team to the under as of Tuesday, the Minnesota Timberwolves, 14 and 6 to the under. Let's do some hockey hosers. Actually, some quick hockey because I don't really follow or do much of the hockey work. But uh, NHL, top teams ROI this, so far this season, yeah? So if you bet one unit on each game for a team, the Buffalo Sabres, over 11 units, if you've been betting one unit on them. The Nashville Predators, the New York Islanders, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Toronto Maple Leafs, all around the 6-5 to five unit in the positive range. The NHL bottom teams ROI so far this season, betting one unit on each of their games. It's not even close, Hosiers. The Pittsburgh Penguins, over 11 units in the red. Whew. The LA Kings, around nine units down, followed by the Panthers, the Blues, and the Chicago Blackhawks. Blackhawks, down in the dumps. All right, that's it for the quick hitters. Now let's move on to some quick look-aheads in college football championship week and NFL week 13. So as we know, the college football playoff um, is starting to take shape. It's pretty set. The top three going to be Bama, Clemson, and Notre Dame. Um, Clemson, they're 28-point favorites right now against Pittsburgh in the ACC title game, so that'll be a massive upset if they lose that one. You'll, they'll be the two-seed if they just win that one outright. Uh, and they'll face off against Notre Dame in, the, in one of the playoff games, which will be a good one. Uh, I will have Clemson favored in that one, but... Um, in terms of the fourth spot, obviously Georgia's there right now, but they're playing Alabama. It's going to be very interesting. Everybody knows the scenario, so I'm not really going to describe it, but 
As we know, Oklahoma and Ohio State are next waiting in the wings, and they're both favorites, pretty heavy favorites in their conference championship game. So it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds this weekend. But basically, Georgia controls their own destiny here, which is nice for them. But if Alabama holds on and wins, you're going to see Oklahoma, who's next, or Ohio State take the four spot. Um, And Oklahoma is facing Texas in the Big 12 title game. And I do have Texas plus eight in pocket here. Uh, Tom Herman is is an underdog. It's been well touched on. We've been making money on him as an underdog for several years, including this podcast this year, giving out him as an underdog pretty much every time. And he continues to cash. He's like 1,476 and one against the spread as an underdog, uh, as a head coach or an offensive coordinator. And um, when an underdog of seven or more points uh, as a head coach, he's 7-0 and against the spread, and that applies here. Texas did beat Oklahoma outright earlier this year. We gave that out on the podcast, the Red River shootout. Um, so Oklahoma does bring revenge into this game, but I think fundamentally Texas does match up with them here. Oklahoma's built to beat the shit out of all Big 12 teams, but or Big 12-style teams, but Texas is not like your typical Big 12 team. And you saw that when they when they beat Oklahoma outright uh, several weeks ago. But getting eight points is too much here. I think Oklahoma should be laying less than a touchdown here, so I will gladly take the value. Could well lose because Oklahoma is obviously motivated to win uh, with a margin. This is the earlier game, so they're not going to know the result of the Ohio State game, obviously. Ohio State will be watching intently. Uh, but Oklahoma starts the day off. They don't even know how Alabama and Georgia is going to go, so you know they're going to be gunning for points. But Texas, in this matchup, Oklahoma can't stop anybody. So I think, you know, if Texas could just keep scoring, I mean, and you know they're going to do that. You know uh, Herman knows how to win. He's going to be trying to keep the ball away from Oklahoma as much as he can. And him as an underdog, you just can't look past that. So for me, I'm taking the value with uh, Texas. I have Texas plus eight with actually less juice in pocket right now. So I would I would sprinkle a little money line on that one as well. I do think Oklahoma wins this game, but... You're getting some value on that price as well, in my opinion. But looking at Texas in that game. I like some unders in these games this weekend. Um, I'm going to be waiting because there's going to be a lot of public action on on some of these, especially the higher-profile ones. But nothing wrong with locking in a little bit of um, Alabama-Georgia under 63.5 right now. You might see that even rise a little bit um, as the public gets in on the over uh, the day of the game. But especially first-half under, if you can find a good price on that, I think that's a good look. I think these teams will be uh, playing each other pretty tight early on. You know Bama's going to put up their points, but um, Georgia and Bama under 63.5. I would lock in a partial position on that right now. Memphis, uh, Central Florida under 64-ish, but I'm hoping for 65 or higher to really get uh, more involved. I know every point really does matter. So uh, if you want to lock it in now, a little primary small position, I think that's a good look as well. Um, And this is an interesting angle that I wanted to touch on. They they brought it up in the in R.J. Bell's Dream Preview College Football Podcast, which is definitely worth a listen. Uh, you can hear some angles there that will make you think about the games differently. It's definitely worth a listen. But they came up with an idea that really makes a lot of sense, a correlated parlay. Um, normally, this is the exception to the rule, not doing parlays of two teams not in the same game. But there is a correlated parlay, if you think about it, taking Texas plus eight, along with Ohio State laying minus 14, laying the two touchdowns against uh, Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. And the reasoning is this. Oklahoma, as I already said, needs to win uh, with the style points, as does Ohio State. Um, If Georgia 
loses, which they're supposed to, then one of those two teams is going to supplant Georgia for the fourth spot, so they need those style points. It matters. Well, Texas plus eight, if Oklahoma doesn't win by as much, or if they lose outright, it's, you know, it's a tight victory, or if they lose outright, Texas covers the plus eight. Ohio State, you guarantee are going to be more, they'll be max motivated to uh, win with a big margin. And laying two touchdowns against Northwestern is not, I mean, for me, the spread spot on there. I think it should be about two touchdowns. But when you think about the matchup advantage for Ohio State there, um, that game's in a dome. And Ohio State has such a big speed advantage. I think that's going to be um, multiplied or magnified um, uh, on, the, on the turf indoors. Northwestern's used to playing in longer grass. So it's just, it makes sense that Ohio State has a matchup advantage there. But, um, but, these are correlated because if Texas does keep that game closer, wins outright. Ohio State, you know they're going to be motivated to win by margin anyway, but you know they would definitely be max motivated to do it uh, if they have a chance to bring those style points in and win by more than two touchdowns. So I think that's worth a look, locking in a little bit right now. Um, I think the money will continue pouring on Ohio State. It looks like some sites are even at 14.5 right now, so shop around. But if you can lock in that plus 8 with the minus 14, that's definitely worth a look. All right, we have the return of somebody special to the podcast. My right-hand man has his lock of the week for you. Guess who's back? Back again. Danimal's back. Tell your friends, what up, nerds? It's been a while, but I got one for you. Mac Championship. My guy has spoken my guy in Buffalo, don't know his name, just know he lives in Buffalo, gives me winners on the action. Buffalo, minus three, over NIU. Lock it up. Danimal out. <laughs> I need to create a drop for Danimal. If anyone has any ideas, please, uh, please reach out. Um... Danimal and I are oppo on this one. I didn't go crazy on it, but I did lock in. I have Northern Illinois at plus four even money. Sprinkled a little bit of money line at plus 175, so won't be mad if this one, you know, if they do lose by four or, you know, Danimal and I will both be pleased if, uh, I guess Danimal won't be totally pleased if it lands three, but I will be. But I have this one closer to about one, Buffalo laying one here. For me, it's... um, and so I, I gladly take the plus four there. Um, for me, it's a team that's used to being there in Northern Illinois versus uh, Buffalo, who's, who's not. But we've been on Buffalo throughout the course of the year. Um, been playing on them a few times, played against them once, but uh, they've been great against the spread. They've been a great team and stuff. But I think this is just numbers-wise too many points here. I think it should be closer to a pick em. Buffalo's slight favorites, so I gladly took the plus four even. Now it's down to three and a half or three. Danimal said three. I, I don't know if you could do that without buying points, but it's in that range right now. So I did get the best of that number, but um, and we'll see. If it gets to three, I might even play back a little bit, but probably won't because there'll be a negative expectation, expected value play uh, according to my stuff, obviously, but um, didn't do a crazy position on it. So uh, not trying to discourage people from siding with Danimal here at all because he knows his stuff. He's got his He's got his guys, but... Sheer numbers-wise, I elected to go with Northern Illinois. Um, it's my investment in this one. So one of us is going to win, and maybe we'll get a push and a win. 
scenario like that. Um, the Mountain West title game. Give me Fresno State catching a field goal. I got them at plus three. Now, I was on Boise State last week, but this just goes to demonstrate that Joe's bet teams and pros bet numbers. You have to just erase your memory and get your damn emotions out of this. Uh, these two teams met on the Smurf turf last year, and Boise won. So we have revenge from last year. They'll be fresh in the mind of uh, Fresno State uh, because Boise's hosting this game again at the Smurf turf. Uh, but some trends from Mark Lawrence, who I've mentioned on previous podcasts, Fresno State is 12-3-1 against the spread, or on a 12-3-1 against the spread run with Conference Revenge. Um, underdogs in the Mountain West title game have won four times in a row. And a weird one, uh, when teams meet in a conference championship game with identical records, the favorite is 6-11-1 against the spread. I'm a huge fan of uh, Jeff Tedford, the Fresno State coach who has completely turned that program around in two short years. He's 7-0 against the spread as an underdog as the Fresno coach. So give me them in the revenge spot. Catching a field goal, I think this game should be about a pick em. So I'll gladly take that plus three. Fresno State's the better team according to my stuff. And I also really like the under in that one as well. Probably especially target the Boise State team total under. Uh, that total's at around 53 right now. I'm looking forward to maybe scoot up a little bit, uh, keep an eye on it, but locked in a little bit of the 53, and we'll continue to monitor that. Um, in terms of leans in college football this weekend, my numbers don't have anything here, but I think Washington has a fundamental matchup advantage against Utah in this game, and I can't help but think about how much of a shellacking Washington gave Utah uh, in Utah earlier this year. And uh, finally, this one's not a conference championship game, but I do lean Cal getting a full field goal, plus three at home, hosting Stanford. All right, let's move on to the NFL. Tonight, Thursday night football. It's a little scary, but it's scary to, to, uh, to fade the Saints, but I am on the Dallas Cowboys at home at plus seven and a half or better. Uh, we'll be giving this out as a Twitter, Instagram play later today, but... Um, the Saints are 9-0 straight up and against the spread in their last nine games. But I feel that the market's about to correct itself here. I think that their lines are just getting too inflated. I think that was the case actually last week too. Um, but the Saints, have they've interestingly been out-yarded three of their past six games. And there's some trends that support this, the Cowboys here as well. I also think it's just a good spot to have this lined at about, it's actually exactly 4.8 is the way my numbers have the line in favor of the Cowboys. Or sorry, in favor of the of the Saints. So catching over a touchdown here is great value. But the trends in this one, um, <laughs> some of them are weird, but um, teams that win on Thanksgiving Day and that are on the road the next week against an opponent off of a win, like the Cowboys are, teams in that spot are 7-17 seven and 17 straight up and against the spread. And another weird trend that supports this uh, from Mark Lawrence, who I mentioned earlier, NFL teams that are on a 3-0 and straight up and against the spread run like the Cowboys are, are now 25-10 and against the spread when they take on an opponent that is coming off a win. So in this one, you know, it opened up, and I actually have a bunch of open teasers uh, from uh, two weeks ago. I bet it was last week. Um, a ton of them. So I teased the Saints down on a couple of them just to add in the second leg to win, but I'm kind of mad I did that now once I looked into the game more and got the numbers on it and looked at the situation. 
but I added a lot more on the plus seven and a half, so I'll be sitting and rooting for numbers to fall. It would be really great for me if the Cowboys won by, you know, one, basically three to seven points would be ideal, but um, nothing wrong with a little bit of Cowboys money line here. If you can get down to plus 300 or better, I actually did take some of that, put that in pocket. So I've got some weird situations to cheer for this one, but um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that Cowboys money line at that price if you can get it because that should be a lot lower in my opinion. But Dallas Cowboys, Thursday night football at home hosting the train that is the Saints, plus seven and a half. Another one I have in pockets for this weekend, the Steelers. I got them at minus three, minus 120, a little extra juice. If you shop around, you might be able to find the three with a little bit less juice. That is a key number, but if you've got to take three and a half, that's fine too. I just like that for less, obviously. Um, I think this is just a good spot on Sunday night football facing the Chargers, who are a great team, but Steelers are a classic Jekyll and Hyde team, and we were against them last week. Gave out the Broncos plus three and sprinkled some money line. Uh, gave that out on the podcast and the Twitter plays, Instagram plays, but the Steelers, this is a spot where they actually thrive usually, um, motivated at home with the crowd behind them just laying a field goal here, asking them just to win pretty much outright with the field goal margin. I think that's a good look. So Steelers, one of the best bets for this weekend. For those who were quick, the Falcons opened plus three, minus 115 on offshore websites at home against the Ravens. That has since moved, but it just goes to show if you're able to lock that one in um, for even a small price. Uh, you got to be quick on that because that did open, and the line has since, uh, since shifted on that. That's about it value-wise for the weekend. You know, it's tough to find more than three NFL games with with value, especially around this time of year. But I'm going to give you a little insight into where my numbers have some of the lines and areas where I'm looking if the market moves and presents an opportunity. I think the Bears should be, it depends on if Trubisky plays, but they should be around minus five, uh, minus four with Trubisky, without him. Um, I Definitely downgrade the Bears, but not as much, I think, as some people. So it'll be interesting to see where that one goes. Um, the Lions, it's ugly. Hosting the Rams, I'm close on this one. I think they should be getting about 8, 8.5, not um, not 10. So it's tempting to take the 10 points with the Lions in that one. But I'm obviously, I don't know about that matchup. I have to look more into the matchup. Um, Tampa Bay, I think they should be getting less than a field goal, not plus three and a half. So I think there could be a little bit of value on Tampa Bay here, but Carolina, their season's starting to implode. So I think they're going to be an all-in effort in this one, but it's a division game. You never really know. And the Jaguars, it's tough looking at, the, at that team, especially since they're benching uh, Bortles. I don't know if that's good or bad, but you got to watch out for their motivation. Sometimes when you bring in a new quarterback, it could bring some inject some life into the team. Um, they're hosting the Colts and getting points over a field goal I think it might be too much but it's really hard for me to back the Jags um, in this spot and the Texans I actually think they should be maybe laying a little bit more than they are to the Browns but the Browns have new life as well so I'm probably staying away from that one and it's ugly but Oakland getting more than two full touchdowns could be small value against the Chiefs but the Chiefs um, Andy Reid coming off the bye if you've seen his his uh, record against the spread coming off a bye I don't want to get in front of that at all so I'm almost certainly going to be staying on the sidelines in that game and waiting for in-running opportunities. All right, well, that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. 
As always, remember to get your doggy juice challenge picks in. I'm thinking of raising the stakes on that the last few weeks of the season. Um, just a quick reminder, I post the Super Contest lines for the variation of the Super Contest I play in, where I'm actually really close to winning right now, um, but or at least in the conversation. But I post those lines on my Twitter and Instagram, at doggyjuice. All you have to do is give me your favorite five games against the spread according to those numbers. Just get them in before kickoff on Thursday, or just want the kickoff on Thursday if you just want that one play. But you can send the rest in on Sunday before noon Central Time kickoff. If you go 5-0 and, and against the spread, I will Venmo you a $25 prize. We've had two guys do it already this year, Zizzle Bizzle and Magic Man. Uh, hopefully someone else does it. It's $25 Venmo prize right now. I might raise it. Later in the season, we will see, because we only have five weeks left. But good luck with that. I hope someone else gets the money there. Um, otherwise, just stay tuned. Doggy Juice Twitter and Instagram. Starting to really kick into full gear in college basketball on a 12-0 run. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday night, went 7-0 and 5-0 respectively against the spread. Um, starting out with smaller plays, because I'm really starting to work on building the database and going through the games, there's so much to to look through, but really starting to see the ball well there. College hoops is my best sport, so and I'll be transitioning to that as we move forward. But stay tuned on there. I'm gonna start sharing more um, thoughts and best bets in college hoops as we move forward. Obviously, not gonna continue going 12 and 0, but we're just trying to aim for that 55%. Anything over 52.38, and we're breaking even, so we're trying to. Find those small edges, win 55% over time. We've been winning well over 55% in college football in the NFL this season and last season, but um, we just got to keep sticking to the process. That's the way we do it. Um, a whole slew of guests are lined up for December. Really looking forward to those. We've got some multi-guest podcasts coming up as well. Um, looking forward to those. So we got those on the slate. Going to bring some other angles um, coming up. So. That'll do it, though, for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Give me a shout. Doggy Juice, Twitter, Instagram. Give me that five star, the the likes, all the good mashes, all the good stuff. We appreciate the love. Doggy Juice, all about the love, baby. No hate. No hate here. All right, guys. I will be back. um, Probably only one podcast this week. I'll be back next week unless I have some little thoughts over the weekend. It might come on, but otherwise just... Follow me on the social media. All right, guys. Good luck on your bets, and I will talk to you soon. Doggy Juice out.